0: Seachtan. An Indo. Asgeldica. Time to putt to end of chacht alone thing is pretty amazing. When he does it, he win today. Winter thing. I know. What happened was this year in find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called butt of a gun and put into the back of your skull—that's a moment where you go, okay. Yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, It's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of The Irish and Sunday Independent. And this week, Caroline Lennon, CEO of AIR, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Adrian. Um, now, I'm going to go through a few things. Um, the first, I'll start with the thing that you know has had you in the headlights for the last three or four months. It's customer service. Um, look, we could talk all day about this. What, what's the biggest problem or issue that people actually call about? Or what are the biggest two or three things?
1: So we've noticed, and this has kind of changed um since the since the pandemic, so people are calling now the number one reason is they want to talk about their package or their bill, so we're mm. finding that people are looking more closely at their bills and also more closely at the packages they're on they're you know they're using the services more than they used to, so maybe the package you had the last time doesn't suit you anymore, so. People want to ring and they want to discuss that. We're also uh, another big driver is as people are coming to the end of their contracts, people are very aware of when their contracts end now, maybe not so in the past. So they're ringing up, you know, looking for uh, another deal or looking to add something to their package. So that's that's a big driver um, of, of calls. Another driver is obviously we're all working from home, homeschooling, et cetera. So your broadband and your mobile, you know, is under pressure and needs to work really well. So we get calls about Wi-Fi in the house, mm. you know, I'm getting good service in, but, you know, in the bedroom where I'm working from home, my home office isn't working, etc. cetera. So that, w- that would be another kind of big uh, driver of calls. And then all the usual things, changes of address, you know, unfortunately deceased or whatever that mm. people need to register and kind of let us go. But a big, dr- people are definitely paying more attention to their bill, the services they have versus the services they might need. Mm. And they want to talk to someone in the contact center about, you know, how to change things or upgrade, et cetera.
0: One of the things, whenever we get correspondence in, or because you're the biggest telecoms company, you will attract the most um, overall uh, biggest volume of complaints and issues. But one of the things that we see a lot is people calling in or trying to contact about a parent. Um, an elderly parent, for example, a typical one might be that they've stopped, uh, they, they cancelled their service, but they're still getting bills, that kind of thing. The last time you were talking to reporters, which was last week, um, you talked about issues with the IT stack and 13 screens sometimes that a, uh, an agent might have to see when they're dealing with a customer. Um, is that a typical cause of that kind of problem? So, say, my elderly mother cancels her service uh, but the bills keep coming is would those two things tie in together
1: and so I, I suppose there's a couple of things there sometimes the the challenge with, with elderly persons and, and, and family ringing on their behalf is with data protection you know we don't have them down as a named you know person who can speak and hmm. even if you can speak to me about your parents account you can't actually make any changes on it unless we speak to the parents so that, that can be so
0: how, how just on that one how do you get a, around that
1: well, it's, it's very difficult. Actually, it's something that we're kind of looking at at the moment because, you know, we are we do get calls about uh, vulnerable elderly people, either from their children or talk to them ourselves. Mm. Um, and we're trying to facilitate that, you know, so we're, we're looking at, you know, a vulnerable, maybe a, a vulnerable user program or how do we make, you know, some kind of power of attorney where you can actually make changes mm. very easy for people to do. So so that. That can be a driver, and like we're, we're like we're very conscious of you know of those of those customers. You know, if I get any of those emails in, I, I get well, I send all complaints to my escalation team, but I always say please prioritize these ones. We need we need to kind of get them sorted. Mm. But in terms of the, the question about the systems, there's no doubt that for a, you know customer service agent and many of our customer service agents are relatively new, particularly in Sligo, where we're not in Sligo that long you know, having to navigate your way through 13 systems kind of doesn't help. And it can mean that a step is missed and therefore a bill keeps going. Now, and also we're looking at like, so we would have sent your last bill and then had some follow-ups. And we're kind of, again, looking at eliminating that. So some of that is agent error, but some of it is the systems. And to be fair to the agents in terms of agent errors, it's, you know, it's not that hard to make an error if you're having to navigate through 13 systems, you know, to do kind of a task for, for a customer. So, but that. You know that issue was recognized by us even before we brought um our contact centers back in-house. Mm. You know, that program to build the new stacks like is underway now a year and a half. And as I've mentioned to you before, GOMO was already on it. And the experience we can provide for customers on GOMO is so much better than the experience we can provide for, for some of our other customers. and um, prepay went on it this year, which is great. Postpay will go on it in 2020. Sorry, in 2020, prepay went on it. Post will in 2021 and hopefully fix next year. And, you know, and that will make a huge difference, you know, mm-hmm. because as well as part of that build, we're simplifying. So we're not building some of the old difficult processes from our old billing system onto the new system. So we're looking at that opportunity, you know, to reduce the number of tires we have, reduce the number of add-ons. So both our customers and for staff. It should be a much easier conversation and much clearer about what actually has to be done.
0: Mm. So just before I move on th- that idea of a vulnerable category of person, that might be something then maybe that uh, as a sibling or um, uh, a son or a daughter might be able to handle on behalf of an older person. Yeah. yeah so what,
1: what we need is not just that you can talk to us, but actually you can do something, you mm. know, so you ring me and say, I've looked at my mom's bill and I can talk to you about it, you know it, once you're registered, but if you say actually, mm. that tariff would suit her better because I know she calls the u k or she has a daughter, you know or she doesn't use her broadband or she does use her broadband, you can't actually make the change for mm. her. So again, we're look we're kind of working on that at the moment. How can we make that easy for people mm. so that you know people could make those changes? And obviously, we have to be careful. you don't you know you're changing someone's effectively you're potentially changing someone's bill. So we have to make sure we you know we follow the proper steps. But, we really want to look after our vulnerable customers. We did, you know, introduce, you know, towards the end of last year when we were under pressure to answer calls in the contact center, you know, special hours in our retail stores, but of course our retail stores now are, you know, they're still open for essential services, but to be fair, vulnerable users don't really want to be going into stores, you know, at the moment with, with everything going on. So, you know, I think something on the telephone and some processes that make those things easier between, you know, between children and their parents, is something that we have to crack to try and improve that you know go forward in and outside COVID. To
0: be honest, mm, yeah. Um, just before we leave uh, this topic, uh, the David McRedmond, chair, chairman of Air, uh, last week he spoke about, as you did, about customer service uh, difficulties and the flack you've been getting on it. But he spoke about an emotional deficit that Air may not have realised quite the levels of difficulty that some of its uh, customers uh, were having. Do you think you're over the hump on that?
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I, so I, I think he he was right. Him and I talked about this at, at length. You know, I think we were, we, so of course we knew we we had issues and, you know, that's why I wanted to address them on primetime and not pretend it wasn't real. And that's why, you know, obviously I don't have to go into the Octor's Committee, but that's why I chose to go in. Mm. Was that was a tough
0: interview. They were, they were both tough interviews, but particularly the primetime and that was a tough interview.
1: Yeah, but I suppose you, you know. I say you know you can't just be the CEO for the good days. You can't be the. And many times have I had you know, great conversations about network investment or you know all the mm. good stuff we're doing, Evros, whatever. So I think you know when there's a real issue, you have to acknowledge it and you have to kind of say what you're doing about I, it. I
0: was one of the people who um, who pounced on your your Sligo um, call center remark. Um, we were like it was just it became a story. I mean, did <clears throat> is that any? Do, do you wish you'd chosen your words a little bit more carefully there, or do? you know were we right yeah. to answer on that
1: yeah no of course i of course i did i mean I, I certainly knew what i was trying to say uh you know so of course i did because there was like our commitment to sligo was never in doubt and i suppose anyone who knows me knows that in, in a million years i would never blame my staff you know for something that i feel responsible for so but i suppose i wanted to be honest and acknowledge that we as a management team and, and myself as the leader of that management team had underestimated some of those challenges you know and uh and you know, and and what really is just unfortunate was that we had got over a lot of that, and it was kind of nicely stable. And then COVID hit us, and just chewed it all back up in the air again. Again, it's not an excuse. It's kind of you know, it's just a fact of, of kind of what happened. But David, back to the sort of emotional deficit piece. But David and I had talked about that, and I think we were, and I think good feedback from him. But like we were so focused on fixing the problem. And you know, trying to improve things that I think we didn't maybe taken time to acknowledge the impact on our customers, you know, as as we should have done. Uh, and you know, and he, and he rightly pointed that out to us. And I, and I think that was you, that was right. So there's no underestimation now. I mean, I think the other thing was we knew all other contact centres in the country across our industry and other industries were struggling as well. I mean, it's difficult for everybody. Um, but you know, so I yeah, I think probably we were we are head down trying to fix it. And Maybe we should have taken our heads up sometimes and, and you know, and focus more on, on the impact on, on customers. You know, so okay. we are on we are on a good track now. We're not there, but I mean I am absolutely determined. Someone asked me recently, you know, what's the average tenure of an Air CEO? I just thought that was, is the answer. But i mean, I mean I'm determined during my time in Air for however long that is that I would um, that we will not only fix care once and for all, but that we could make it something that could be a differentiator. Because I actually think there's a space there to do that. You know, and, uh, you know, I'm I'm determined on some of the bigger things that we weren't tackling years ago, like IT stacks or whatever, we are tackling now. So I do think that gives us an opportunity because they're big kind of hairy things to do. And now we're doing them. And if we can get all the other things right, get our hiring right, you know, get our processes right, com- you know, do the right things for vulnerable customers and then marry that with everything we're doing in terms of our IT build, we're getting New equipment across the board for all of our CSRs, in fact, all of our staff in terms of desktop, laptops, et cetera. If we can bring all that together, and um, I think you know that can you know be a step change in in the service that we're delivering to customers on. And and everything. I was do just work.
0: doing a little mental exercise there when you mentioned the average tenure for an air CEO, and I think it's just under four years, I think okay. um, over the last uh, four or five CEOs. your predecessor was a bit shorter than that um so you're what two and a half years three years three years, three, three years, and eight
1: years. so you're
0: 75 percent way through the average
1: there you, go, there you go there you go
0: so you i suppose if you get past the fourth uh um it's it's it, in some ways it's all a bonus from then but maybe from your perspective that's yes, it's a long. i mean i'm presuming you're you're in it for the long haul.
1: of course i, I mean I, I absolutely love air and uh you know, you, you know this but I, you know I, I wanted to be the ceo of air and you know i said that and i was lucky to get that opportunity and, and i'm you know, I'm l i am I love what I'm doing, I love what we're doing, I love the transformation, you know, I you know, and I will get care fixed, we will get care fixed. So yeah, no, it's great. I mean, the progress we've made. And that that was another thing that kind of bothered me about, you know, the, our care troubles is that it kind of, you know, took away from a lot of the great stuff that happened during the pandemic. You know, if you'd have told me this time last year, you know, that I'd have pretty much all of my office staff working from home, that the field could continue to operate and build and repair and install. During a global pandemic, I, I don't know whether I would have believed it at all. And the reality is all that happened. You know, I, I was I was really worried back in March that we'd have to put our network investments on mobile. I was fixed on hold for the year, you know, that we wouldn't be able to connect customers. And actually, we managed to do all of that. We didn't miss a beat across those things,
0: mm. which is,
1: you know, not, not down to me, it's down to our, you know, thousand people in the field and, and our contractors or whatever. So, so many things, you know, relative to what was going on went really well. You know, I am. Um, I write to everybody every Friday, you know, business and a bit of what's going on with me and whatever. And you know, so many of the field wrote to me about, you know, what can we do to fix this? You know, so because they're out and about and people talk to them and people raise these issues and same with people in retail. So everyone in air felt it, you know, and, mm. uh, you know, and it did overshadow a lot of the great stuff that went on. during the
0: do you, th- you mentioned uh, everybody working from home. Do you think they're coming back?
1: So not in the way they did, definitely not. I mean, we uh, we surveyed everybody. Um, we've done it about three times now, you know, because I think there was a novelty factor of working at the start, and then we checked in, you know, and then it, it's harder when the kids aren't in school. It's easier when the kids are in school. So we checked in about three times at this stage. And everybody, you know, well, certainly the vast majority, some exceptional circumstances, but the vast majority want a hybrid model um, when we return. They want, you know, some flexibility. About uh, working from home and and being in the office, and so I think we we've introduced that now, and, and the vast majority of our team have signed up to a flexible working policy. But it will depend what's going to be working. What for does or that me. What does
0: that look like? Is that like three days in, two days out? That,
1: yeah, that... it's going to be something like that. But it'll also depend on what area you're in. So you know that you know the owner team might have a you know a different thing. They may want everybody there on a Tuesday because hmm. you know so. What we, we've said is, if you're interested, sign up, and the vast majority have, and then within the particular divisions, based on, you know, what's going on with you, um, we can work out how that works. And we had hoped, I suppose, because uh, to get everybody back in in June, but I'd say at this t- this stage, it'll be the autumn.
0: Mm, you know, the autumn, yeah.
1: Every, everything we're seeing, I, I you know, I, I wouldn't like to say it was going to be earlier, but mm. we'd hoped it would be the summer where we'd get people back in in that sort of flexible way. But I think that looks unlikely now.
0: Okay, um, just... Uh, few points about gomo i've covered gomo s- since it launched i've kind of been amazed at how quickly it has grown in one sense um i suppose if you're introducing a 10 or a month offering now 13 euro a month for subscribers after that first period uh with a, you know data calls text, i suppose that is definitely going to be competitive in a marketplace like this have customer numbers leveled off there yeah i
1: think well, that, well i mean at our first birthday, we had 250,000 customers, which Mm. is extraordinary. Uh, And of course, they've slowed down from those earlier, uh, earlier, you know, huge numbers. But, uh, you know, it consistently grows. And I do think, of course, it's about value, you know, absolutely, wouldn't take that away. But I also think it is about uh, the simplicity of the proposition, the strength of the digital kind of self-care model. You know, I think... People bought into that and it delivered for them so I, I think of course it's about value but even with recent moves by competitors in this space
0: it yeah 48 actually. clear mobile I mean we, we, we now have a substantial chunk of the market here which has moved to this self-serve yeah, uh absolutely. sort of value now but the only thing about that is um you ally that with the pandemic where people are getting used to self-service uh services. How do we go back to uh, uh, you know an economy where people are willing to pay any more than twenty euro or or thirty euro for a mobile service at all?
1: Well, I suppose I I think it depends on what you want. I mean, you know, obviously it's it's without a handset, so
0: there
1: is there is a you know a percentage of people who want handsets and they don't want to pay or 600 a year you know i mean you could but do- if i do
0: the sums in the back of an env- on, um, envelope and i have a few times yeah. if i t- say to take a year's worth of gomo that's 130 quid at the current price i can buy yeah. say an iphone se for 490 quid so for one year with a brand new uh, iphone se plus your subscription you're looking at 300 and sorry 600 620 euro i think now i compare that to a normal mobile service including from air mobile by the way and it's going to be at least three or four hundred euro more you know for the year yeah. so why why would I do that why would I go back to that that high well, high-end model
1: well I well I believe because you may not have that you may want a high-end device and you may to not begin
0: with and you don't want to
1: five six hundred euros to pay mm. that so in some ways you know if you sign up to a, a, a handset model you're kind of effectively paying that handset off aren't mm. you over the you know so I think and, I'm no, just wondering
0: from a macro point of view because you are the CEO of the biggest telecoms uh, operator you've got very ambitious plans for for the mobile side of things you're investing I think it's 200 million at the moment in in yeah. your rollout around the country um, you'd like to see a return uh, I assume uh, the days of you know uh, a- uh, arpus of you know 30 40 50 euro are long gone air more than any other operator has introduced this low cost have everything for you know a ten or a month. Um, are, are you not kind of bringing the whole price of the whole industry and mobile down?
1: Well, I think there's, so. There's a couple of things. So if you, uh, so, I think we were the smallest in terms of market share to start with, um, and I think the first mover and the smallest will win because you will get gear. You'll get gain share, and that you know. So the ARPU uh, dilution. Um, you know, as long as the percentage that you forecast. Of the customers come from your bases within your forecast and the rest mm. come from the rest of it, whatever you will you will you will do well overall from a revenue point of view because you will, will gain shares so i think we we were the right people to do it in terms of where we were in the market and um, but also if you look at the market stats like uh it used to be that simo uh, handset was 70 percent of the market mm. and thirty percent with simo it's now 50 50. Mm. so there's definitely a trend but, and that's not just an ireland trend that's a trend but still, you know, there's still um, a chunky, uh, you know, so the, the shift has happened, but there's still, you know, a lot of people buying handsets every year mm. but because they want them or whatever. So I think there are two markets. I think Simo will continue to expand. And I think we want to be in both. And I think mm. we got first mover advantage in, in Gomo, which worked first. us. Um, and I think our proposition, because of its simplicity and the, the level of service we provide, and I think people have bought into that kind of Gomo brand as well. And um, we'll continue to do well. But we also, you know, we have a retail footprint. Um, we stock all the best handsets. We're good on subsidy. So we, w- we will also take our share of the handset market. And that's our plan. But I think we need to be in both because I think, mm. uh, you know, both going to be important. And um, But yeah, Simo is going to be part of the future, no doubt. No
0: doubt. Well, one of the interesting things that I've, I've looked at uh, over years, I mean, I have uh, a couple of different uh, mobile services that I pay for. One of them is actually a GOMO card. I picked up the, the 10 a month uh, GOMO at the beginning because there's a place I go to in rural Mayo. And at the moment, the air signal happens to be the strongest there. It's not, yeah. That's not necessarily typical of of the rest of the country, but it is in that spot. So I'd take my Gomo SIM, I put it in a, a, a Huawei mobile router, and I pretty much get 20, 25 megabits throughout the uh, cottage, which is actually good enough for TV to run Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, all of that sort of stuff. When I have been down there for extended periods, I, th- I don't really know how much da- data I'm using. I suspect it's over 100 gigabytes. I think the fair use... A policy on A Gomo and on Air Mobile is 120 uh, gigabytes. Now, something I've been—it's a bit of a hobby horse of mine—the uh, the, the use of the word "unlimited" or "no limits" or "all data" with fair usage policy. Where do you stand on that? And because I mean, I've written a lot over the years about the incongruity in the English language with saying something has no limits and then putting a fair use uh, policy on it. How, how, in your head, how do you square those? Square that circle.
1: So I, I think. What we really want to do is give people limitless usage, but we don't want people to wreck the network. And there are, you know, there are, you know, and it, it is for your personal use. It's not for, you know, other things or whatever. So for me, that's just those, that's a security blanket to make sure that people aren't doing things that they shouldn't be doing with a personal SIM. But like, it's not like we want people to feel that they can use their device as much you know, the service as much as they want. And it's not in our interest to be you know cutting people off or whatever. And we but we look at our margin and we look at that proper use. And it's very rare that we come across people who are using it for you know for the wrong purposes. And if we if we do, we act. But in general, I mean it, it is it's 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 just a little bit of security that we don't find ourselves in a situation where you know somebody's doing something that puts the network under massive pressure. Or you know uses it for use that it wasn't signed up to be
0: used for. I mean, I understand that's a completely fair point from any telecoms operator's point of view. They have to manage their network. They don't want somebody. On the other hand, um, if I'm a gamer, now you might say, look, you shouldn't be running, you know, uh, your PS4 and massive downloads off a of Gomo sim or any mobile mobile sim. There still is this thing over the word unlimited. I, I just don't understand why telecoms operators can't say, look, you've a massive amount of it, way more than. You know, you would normally use. It's not unlimited, but my God, it's a huge amount because that's what it is. One hundred twenty gigabytes is a huge amount uh, of monthly uh, monthly data. And anytime I see a new service, particularly something like GoMo, a ten or a month, thirteen a month for one hundred twenty gigs a, 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 of data, you go to the states, you go to uh, you'll you won't get anything like that. Um, yeah. and, and then it's, it's,
1: it's value. I, I suppose it's probably an industry issue because I think while while anyone's saying unlimited it's very hard then for someone else to say it's just really big you know whatever and that, that's the challenge but i but i mean i think but the, but the intention from everybody is that people would have limited use but just to be careful that you know it, you're not doing something that is really going to hurt the network or somebody's using it for the wrong reasons but i but like I, I take your point you
0: know? okay um just um one or two uh, final things. Fibre broadband, you guys have a pretty ambitious plan at the moment in urban areas, in cities. Yeah. There's a lot of people who still don't really realise this. Um, you're essentially going to uh, give fibre to the home or pass fibre to the home to the majority of people in Dublin, Galway, Limerick, um, and other cities. At the moment in, in Dublin, as you know, it's pretty much a monopoly on high speed, Almost yeah, monopoly. Yeah. It's Virgin. It's cable. Um, what's what's your timeline for that?
1: So we're we're one year into a five year build. So it's one point four. We're gonna we're gonna have fiber to the home to one point four million premises, and um, across the country. So that's pretty much every town with premises, more than a thousand premises. Mm. Uh, we're a year in. The first homes were passed uh, this time last year. So we're up to just three hundred and seventeen thousand homes of that build done. Ten thousand kilometers. Um, done and you know delivering about seventy thousand per quarter so uh, it's gone incredibly well i mean um, we are the best people in the country in my opinion to build networks we do know what we're doing it's going really well it went well all through the pandemic and also i think um, now like we, we myself and my management team sat down this time last year and said you know we have to make the market for fiber to home we have to show people it's better than cable or whatever you know, I think the pandemic kind of did that for us because people want fiber to the home now. And I think I mentioned this recently in our rural network build, which we finished in the summer of 2019, where we had 340,000 homes passed. We've seen, you know, a 33 percent increase in penetration there across 2020. So you could have bought it back in 2019, but obviously you didn't feel you needed it. Maybe you didn't have people homeschooling, homeworking, maybe you had great broadband in your office. I don't know. But and now you need it, so I think the desire that for fiber home is huge. I think people know it's better than cable; it's more reliable, more. Reliable.
0: Well, I'm I, I'm guessing that because I've had Virgin, I've had different types of broadband. I'm guessing that people probably most people maybe wouldn't be able to tell the difference if you're getting 250 megs on uh, uh, Virgin or 500 megs in Virgin. You you maybe won't notice the difference between that and a 500 meg uh, fiber.
1: I think you will. You may not notice it on speed because you know two fifty three, whatever. I think you will notice it on reliability. I do and think latency. you will see, yeah, that latency. I think you will see, absolutely see the difference there. So, so we're, we're like we're it's it's a huge investment program for us. Five hundred million going really well. Really excited about it, and the market is absolutely there. You know, people are are buying it. We've got sixty thousand homes passed in Dublin. I mean, we'll be in Dublin for the whole of the program because it's about forty five percent of the homes are in Dublin. Um, so a huge opportunity for us now to, to really come of compete against. Uh, it looks like
0: you're competing with cable on price as much as anything else. I your offer is 50 odd quid or something, 54.99.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. We want it to be attractive and um, competitive, and um, but also we want everyone to know it's a superior product, which is, you know, which I think is really important and I'm future-proofed, you know, for, you know, the, the 10 gigs that will come in the future, God knows what we'll all be using them for. But you know, that, you know, I think once you get that fiber to the home line into your home or, or your business you know, you're going to be set up for, you
0: know, for the future. Okay. Lastly, um, this week you have introduced Wi-Fi calling. Um. Or
1: calling service, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, essentially, that is in my home or your home or anyone else's home. You don't have a great mobile signal maybe inside the house. You yeah, start yeah. a call and it switches from Wi-Fi to the, the network when you walk Absolutely. outside. Absolutely,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, without any interruption. Yeah. Mm. Seamlessly. Yeah, so.
0: Uh, and lastly, 5G I asked you this before, every new handset has to have it. Most operators want to say that their network is 5G enabled. Um, we've seen a couple of other operators, you know, they're a little lukewarm about rolling out 5G, maybe because there isn't that immediate customer demand. There's nobody going in and saying, well, if it doesn't have 5G, I don't want to well, what, What's your experience?
1: So i suppose i mean we are very committed to it so uh we're the biggest um network in the in the country on 5g at the moment and uh, alongside the upgrade of our uh 4g network so we've got um we've got 800 sites so far and 55 percent outdoor coverage uh you know i think that the uses will come i mean a more did uh, i can send a launch if you haven't seen it but a moroc did research with SMEs about you know 5g and you know and very you know that move to home working Having more devices connected, the latency issues, of, uh, opportunities. I got a lot of them excited and thinking that five G, I believe in five G investment, will help them with future growth and you know post COVID recoveries or whatever. So you know we'd be optimistic and and some examples now you know obviously not in Ireland yet, but you know you know five G enabled manufacturing in Switzerland, five G enabled port in China. I think starting to see those B two B sort of you know um, case studies kind of coming through and I expect that. So we're very committed. But we're also very committed to our 4G upgrade, which I think is important because if you remember we had that ambitious ambitious target of target of having 90% geographical coverage as opposed to population coverage. Mm. And we've got that now in, in 17 counties in Ireland. But that will mean for rural um users a much improved voice and data quality on their sort of mobile network. You know, and, and again into today, you know, maybe that's what you're experiencing in, in Mayo, which I go almost in, But, you know, today that that has never been more important for people. So, I, you know, so we're very pushing the boundaries on 5G, but also very focused on our, our 4G upgrade. And again, I am happy to say that didn't slow down at all um, during uh, 2020. And we continue that now into, into 2021.
0: OK, look, Caroline Lennon, Chief Executive of AIR. Thanks very much for joining us on the podcast today. And that's all we have time for. From me, Adrian Wackley, the tech editor of The Irish and the Sunny Independent, we will talk to you same time next week. Bye-bye.